The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode 27, the episode where I consider, with my partner Phil Sullivan, a serious question. Is this the worst era in Chicago sports ever? Think about that for a minute. You are at the best place for cigars in Chicago sports. Let me set the scene. We are at the place 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois. We are in the Cigars and Sports Chicago studio. And that's, again, at 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois. The place. It's a cigar lounge with a very original name. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cigars and Sports. Hopefully you will, as we have lots of great stuff to talk about there. And you can get this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever the hell you get your podcasts. But you know that because you're listening to a podcast. As always, I'd like to introduce my co-host, Phil Sullivan. Phil, how are you? And what are you? You know, I'm doing great, Steve. I'm I'm enjoying a Fuente Hemingway, but what I decided to treat myself to is a rare cigar that they make. Well, it's rare because it's hard to get. Called the work of, I mean, between the lines, it's a barber pole uh, cigar. Probably one of the best cigars to make. You ask me, why am I celebrating with this fine cigar today? It's because I did not have to spend a fall Sunday watching the Bears. So I thought after watching the Chiefs' bills, seeing what good football really, really competitive football really looks like, I decided to celebrate that my day didn't have to get ruined watching the Chicago Bears. Well, we'll talk about how your Thursday night got ruined, but I do agree it was kind of nice you know, we could watch those first games, and I won a bet with uh, taking the Jets at plus seven and a half against the Packers. That was a lot of fun. You know, I thought that uh, the Bills-Chiefs uh, game was entertaining as hell. Um, we just watched that game. And by the way, I am smoking a Griffin's Perfecto plus some other bonus cigars. We watched uh, Buffalo beat the Chiefs 24 to 20. And I'd like to get your observations of that game. First of all, I lost my bet there as I bet the Chiefs plus three. I thought the Chiefs getting points at home um, looked good to me. And by the way, tonight I've got Cowboys plus six and a half versus the Eagles. I feel really good about that. Got all sorts of sports going on tonight. Got one screen with Sunday Night Football on. The other screen where the Yankees are beating uh, the Cleveland Guardians three to two. So we'll see how those things play out. What observations did you make in that Kansas City Bills game? You know, what were your thoughts on that game? And uh, maybe what takeaways do you have now that you watched? Well, you know, before the game one? started, if you are uh, a rabid NFL gambler, and I'm not rabid by any means, but I do pay attention uh, that the Chiefs were an underdog at home. You know, that tells you something of what they think of Buffalo, and I think it certainly showed through in the entirety of the game. There's something I thought was interesting in the second half. The Chiefs are the third highest scoring team in the league in the second half this year. The Buffalo Bills allow the least amount of points. I think they only allow about six points per half. 
So going into the second half, I thought, well, this is interesting when they showed that stat. And But I think the Buffalo Bills showed why they are uh, who they are. Uh, I think they're definitely a solid team. And Josh Allen plays a brand of football that it just you don't see other quarterbacks play. I mean, Mahomes does in his own way. Josh Allen plays a very physical quarterback game, and uh, he's fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. And you look at the Bills, and you wonder if this is the game, and I don't think we're going to know this until the season plays out, was this finally the game where they broke through against the Chiefs? Obviously, the Chiefs have been their nemesis. Um, there was that incredible game in the AFC Championship that, last year. Game ever. Um, but, you know, tonight <laughs> yeah. they got – yeah, best game ever played. You know, Mahomes did actually make a mistake on that interception at the end of the game. But, you know, my key observations in that game were great quarterback play, excellent, you know, wide receivers and pass catching tight ends and excellent pass rush. And, you know, you wonder that Von Miller acquisition by the Bills. I wondered about that in the offseason. Guy's a little bit old. They paid him a lot of money. But you saw the guy had two sacks today. He had several other pressures. And you wonder if that was the piece to push them over the top. Now, in fairness, the Chiefs were missing several guys you know, on defense, including Willie Gay, who was suspended for uh, beating up his wife. But, you know, I guess that's probably not a good idea for him. And, you know, there were some unbelievable plays. You know, you talk about Josh Allen being such a great physical player. That play in the fourth quarter on that driver, he hurtled over Justin Reed along the sideline, was absolutely phenomenal. Just the play of the game. Then he threaded the needle on that touchdown pass to Dawson Knox, the tight end. Um, Just a great play in the end zone. Just came through unbelievably. And then uh, Mahomes made an uncharacteristic mistake. But it does show you when you watch real football, how far away are the Chicago Bears? They're very, very far away. And it really makes you wonder, you know, what, and we'll talk about the Bears in a minute, um, but it makes you wonder what their priorities might be in the offseason and the draft and free agency. Well, yeah, you're you're right. What the Bears do is, um, you know, I can't even predict because they've just done so many bad things when it comes to drafting in the last 30 to 40 years. So, you know, trying to talk about that this early in the year, I think that's a discussion better served when we get a better idea what they're record looks like and where they're going to fall in place. But, you know, back that's a little bit more of today's football, and then we'll get on to, I think, our next block where we want to talk about what's wrong with all of Chicago sports. You know, look at a couple games today. I looked at that Jets-Packer game. The more I watch the Packers, and they're a team I used to enjoy watching, much as I hate them, and I hate Rodgers. You know how I feel about them. I think Rodgers is running out of gas. I think teams are figuring him out. I think he's starting to show his age. And uh, I think Packers, uh, in my opinion, are probably going to be on their last gas this year. Who do you hate more, Rodgers or T.A.? I'll go with Rodgers. You know, so that's my opinion. He's starting to look this year wore down. He's getting, you know, they're getting to him more, which doesn't help an old quarterback. I think his offensive line is uh, a little porous. He's getting sacked a little more, but he's just looking tired. Uh, His passes aren't as crisp. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how he does this year. And then, of course, our buddy that we launched, you know, came out of the mothballs today and uh, and beat Tom Brady. So I had to, that had to be a great uh, moral victory for our buddy Traberski, uh to come out and beat uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about the Bears for a minute, though, because, you know, you look at that game on Thursday night. Let's just get it out of the way since we obviously have to talk about the Bears. They lost 12-7 to 7 
just that score is pathetic. Think about it. And what was possibly the worst and least entertaining football game maybe that I've ever seen in my life, it was difficult to even stay awake. The Bears had every opportunity to win. They were inside the five-yard line three times coming away with nothing. You know, if I were to blame anyone for one individual play, I'd have to blame blame Darnell Mooney for not coming down with that catch, which again, would have won the game. I mean, that was just a terrible game. And I think the highlight was uh, Roquan Smith getting taken out by Carson Wentz, which was just unbelievable. But again, you know, you look at Fields numbers against a terrible team. He was 14 for 27, 190 yards and a 71.5 passer rating, one touchdown, one interception. You know, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's getting better. I, I don't know. It didn't seem that way last week. You know, he did rush for 88 yards, and we know he can do that. His leading receiver was, of all people, Dante Pettis, who should not even be in the NFL. But that game was horrendous. Thoughts on that game? I, I Well, yeah, I mean, where do we want to go with that? You know, I was wondering why he didn't pass to his tight end. I don't think Cole Cabet had two passes thrown to him. Yeah, I mean, the mistakes at the end, you know, you got uh, Fields looking at a, a fucking play clock the size of a piece of plywood right in front of him, and he can't see that the time's running out with two minutes left in the game. Uh, oh, why, yeah. did, why didn't his coach see that? Why didn't he call the timeout? He had, they had three timeouts left at that point. You know, I could go on and on. Don't even get me started. Go ahead. I mean, I mean, I understand you can question some of the play calling. Clearly, he doesn't have weapons. He doesn't have an offensive line. But even when he does have good protection, he's still not getting rid of the football. You know, he's still missing wide open receivers on a regular basis. And good God, we can see them on the TV broadcast and he can't see them. So I don't know. I mean, we'll just have to see what happens. But it's not looking too good at this point. And as you look at, the off season. Let me ask you some questions. So, Phil, I'm going to run through the Bears' schedule, and you tell me whether you think they have a chance to win, they don't have a chance to win, or maybe. Next Monday night, October 24th, Patriots. Thoughts? Uh, not a chance. Just because it's right, particularly, night, particularly because it's Monday night football. Bailey Zappi uh, looked pretty good again today. Looked Real very good. I was good. going to bring that up. Oh, yeah. Too bad the Bears didn't decide to uh, get him in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. Um, then after that, Cowboys, what do you think of that? That'll be at least a 20-point loss. I'd say that's probably accurate at least. Then after that, Dolphins, uh, Tua will be back. What do you think about that? That could be 24-point loss. Then uh, the Lions, who still are the third-highest scoring team in the NFL as of now. You know, a blind squirrel is going to get a nut every now and then, possibly. So, so you say maybe. 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 Okay. Yeah. Then uh, the Falcons, who took care of Tampa Bay today. I, I think the Bears are going to lose that one. Jets? Uh, Packers? Lose, lose by 12. Packers Eagles? Because of what, Packers because of what I said about Rodgers. Is that Packers game in, in Soldier Field? Uh, yes, it is. Maybe they'll only lose by seven. Eagles, that's a loss. Bills, beat them. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's on Christmas Eve. It's, that's going to be an interesting. Uh, that's a Saturday afternoon on Christmas Eve. That should be fun to watch. Uh, that'll be Lions. That'll be a thirty-point beatdown. Then we got Lions Vikings. So here's the reality: the Bears have two wins. It appears that the most they're going to win 
maybe two is five. You know what I mean? And you know, maybe they'll win three or four, but certainly they're not going to win more than five. So that's a bad situation. What do you view their priorities in the draft and free agency right now? What do you view as, if well, you were I mean, to say, top two or three priorities? Well, I think by the end of the year, you want my opinion, by the end of the year, they're going to need a quarterback. I think they should take, since they've set themselves up into such a disastrous situation as far as talent level, I think uh, to rebuild, they should spend probably the next two years using every draft pick in the first three rounds, picking nothing but offensive linemen and uh, receivers. And then uh, once you got that shit together, maybe get a running back and then plug and play a quarterback, get a second, third round quarterback and uh, try to plug and play them into a, uh, a much improved offensive line and uh, receivers. Well, I do agree Probably number one priority, maybe one and one A, are offensive line and wide receiver. But I will also tell you, take a look at that defensive line. They can't stop the run for shit. So, I mean, they got to figure that situation out as well. I mean, the good thing is they're going to have a lot of cap money. So they're going to have the ability to do some stuff in free agency as well. Clearly, if the right quarterback is there, I mean, either way, they have to take a quarterback in the draft next year. So even if it's not their number one priority. I, I agree with you. I, I don't think they need to take a quarterback. Uh, they could get one from. They're not a good quarterback's not going to take them anywhere next year. They they got to build up a line. They got to get a defense. They they got to build up a team first. All I'm saying is, if if in the middle rounds you see a quarterback who you feel is a developmental prospect, you want to take him. You got to build. I mean, right now they have nothing. If Fields does not make it, then. You've got to be developing some quarterback no matter what. So clearly they've got to draft a quarterback. You know, hopefully if they draft, you know, in the top two or three, they also have the ability to trade down, get some more picks. But yeah, I mean, I I would say that the priorities are offensive line, wide receiver, quarterback, and defensive line. So they got a lot of work to do because this thing is working out pretty much as bad as we thought it is. So have you had enough discussion about the Bears right now? I'm done. Yeah. So here's my next thing. I want to pivot for a minute to the baseball playoffs. And I've got a couple things here. So, of course, we have nothing to talk about in terms of Chicago sports, and we'll get to our big question in a minute. But the playoffs have been very entertaining. That said, if you take a look at that first round, Three of the four teams that won, it was the three-game wildcard round with all games being played in one ballpark, and three of the four road teams won. So three of the four home teams, which are the teams with a better record, lost. So I guess that's not saying much about home field advantage. That doesn't bother me that much. But now you've got the Dodgers, who won 111 games getting knocked out, you had the Yankees who are on the verge, I guess, of getting knocked out. We can argue with Bear about that later. You have the Braves who got knocked out. The Astros are advancing. But here's my question. It just something does not feel right to me that the Dodgers could finish 22 games ahead of San Diego and then somehow San Diego eliminates them in the divisional series. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, Thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I hear you. You know, we talked about the fact that 
you know, you, ne- you would never see this scenario play out in the NBA, but it does play out occasionally in the NFL. It certainly does play out in NHL hockey. You know, when eight teams go into NHL hockey playoffs, many times the uh, fifth, sixth, seventh seed do very well. So I see what you're saying. The Dodgers had a great season. They beat a lot of good teams too. They just wasn't like they they were in the shit division. You know, playing lousy teams all the time. But uh, yeah, it is kind of strange, and that's why they play the games. You know, I maybe wish this was a seven game series. You know, instead of a five game series. You know, you play 162 games during the year, and then you let it come down to you have three bad games and you're done for the year. So maybe I wish it was a seven game series. Maybe cut down a few of the regular season games and uh, expand the playoffs in that direction. Well, it seems unlikely that they'd be cutting the regular season down. And I see your, you know, I like the fact that the series are short, but I just don't know what else you can do to give the team that has earned it in a 162 game marathon, you know, a greater advantage. Because again, the Dodgers finished 22 games ahead of the Padres. And the Padres just smoked them in four games. Right. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's just something is wrong. I, I don't know what to do about it. You know, in the case of the Yankees, I mean, I, I guess I get that because the Yankees actually were pretty bad after June 1st or after July 1st. Anyway, they were barely over 500. You know, at least they're losing to, you know, they're, they're getting beat at least right now to a team that won the division. So I feel okay about that. But the 22-game thing, I don't know. we got to see how the playoffs play out, see who wins, and then talk about it. Because I thought right from the beginning that Houston is the best uh, is the best team. So if they win the World Series, then maybe, you know, however it works out, it works out. But it just – something does not feel right to me at all in that regard. Well, it would be, okay. be interesting what you say next week if uh... – you know, Cleveland beats the Yankees, and then they upset Houston. So that would really be that would really throw you off. So, Phil, I've been thinking about something recently. Is this the worst era ever in Chicago sports history? So, you know, the Bears we've talked about at nauseum. They're terrible. The White Sox are coming off what is probably the most disappointing season in their history. The Cubs that we don't normally talk about very much, although some people make some bizarre story that they're on the they're headed in the right direction they finished substantially under 500 the Blackhawks probably be the worst team in the NHL the Bulls will likely be a playoff team but they are not by any means a championship contender and we'll start talking about the Bulls in our next episode as the regular season begins next week but if you look at it I don't see how you can consider them any more than a play-in team somewhere between seven and ten you're in your 90s so you've seen a lot of Chicago sports. Is this the worst era ever? What would you compare it to? What are your thoughts on this? I've been wanting to ask you this question. You know, we had some bad eras in the 70s, even the late 60s. I remember a Bears team that I think went one in, or all in 12 or one in 11, or I don't know what it was back in the day. It was that big uh, fat ass they had as a coach, Abe Gibran, I think. But yeah, you know, and I started thinking through this too. When you look at ownership, I mean, you've got the Blackhawks and the Bears owned by the original families for close to 100 years. I don't know what that means. you got the White Sox and the Bulls owned by the same guy uh, as the principal owner for close to 40 years. You just wonder. I mean, of course, you look at a team like the Chiefs and the Hunt family's been their only owner. 
and uh, they certainly haven't faded into the wind by handing it down. I think uh, Park Hunt has done a great job with that team, obviously taking over after his dad passed. But, uh, yeah, you, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to see the ownership of the Bears hopefully get passed on to another family, which who knows if that will ever happen. The Blackhawks, of course, when it went to uh, their son, Rocky, he did, you know, he had a nice run. He had a nice four- or five-year run. You know, maybe he can rebuild it and get it back into glory again. But I don't know, Steve. You you tell me what your thoughts are. Why? I mean, well, think about this. Here's the crazy thing if you think about it. Who is the closest of the five teams that I just mentioned to a championship? Maybe none of them. None of them. Think about right, it. Right now, none I of can't them are even, remotely close. But I can't even imagine what team is even – significantly on the upswing that would be a championship contender. And here's how bad it is. I actually think if you had to say which one is closest, you probably would have to say the White Sox. I mean, they, I mean, and they suck. Um, and we're of course, 81 and 81, the definition of mediocrity. And I'm not suggesting that they're good, but the reality is this town is in such bad shape right now that the White Sox are probably the closest thing that we've got because I'll believe that the Cubs are going to be better when they're better. And I think that everyone looks at the last Cubs rebuild and they just think, okay, so the same thing's going to happen again. It's going to be the same model. You know what? Things worked out really well for the Cubs last year and maybe they will work out again, but you know, I'll believe that when I see it, but I'm telling you, man, this is a bad situation. Not good. Yeah, it, Who do you you know, I agree with you that the White Sox could be the closest team, and and, uh, and they're a long way off. But yeah, I uh, I agree with you. They're a long way off in a lot of aspects. The Blackhawks are just a total mess right now, and of course we know where the Bears are at. Yeah, we'll see. I, it's just a shame that a city this size could have ownership as bad as we have at times, and we certainly have some bad ownership right now or just ownership is just not doing good things, but we'll see. I'd like to see the White Sox be the team that turns it around. That's for sure. But it could be the Cubs. Who so knows? Let's talk about the White Sox manager situation. I would guess that um, over the next, I don't know what the timing is, but I would guess at the worst within a couple of days at the end of the world series, maybe even before, but likely, you know, the week that the world series ends, the White Sox are going to have a new manager. If you want to look at, you know, who the betting favorites are to be the White Sox manager, you have got, well, first of all, let me ask you a question. What characteristics, you know, what kind of guy would you like to see them hire? Let's not talk about the specific candidates, but what, what, kind of guy would you like to see them hire? I think they certainly are a team that needs a little more discipline, a, a little more organization uh, among the team itself in the dugout. I'm not talking with the organization upstairs, but I think a little more discipline, uh, a little more being held accountable. Some of the stuff those guys say, the injuries they have, the injuries, whatever they tell their coaches, they get away with. I, I just think in, in me being a little bit old school, it's just abysmal in my opinion. But I'd like to see a little more discipline, a little more people being held a little more accountable. And whether it's from the manager to the players or the players to each other, but the manager's got to, uh, he's got to instill that into the team. And that's what I'd like to see. 
well, I want an upbeat, high-energy guy, somebody who knows baseball really well, somebody who hopefully can collaborate with the front office and understands data and can make decisions that are at least sensible. So let's take a look at some of these candidates. So you've got the former Cardinals manager, Mike Schilt, who is at least the odds-on favorite right now. And I'm just looking at the odds, and I'm not sure that they really mean much. But he's plus 400. Then you got Bruce Bochy who reminds me a lot of Tony LaRusso, about seven years younger, plus 500. Then you got Ozzy, plus 600. Joe Girardi, um, plus 800. Hey, you want discipline? Um, Girardi is about as unfun as you could probably get. Sandy Alomar Jr., he's plus 900. And although, you know, I love that Guardians organization and I'm tempted to like Sandy Alomar, I'm not sure that I do because he's – a guy who's almost 60 years old and has not gotten an opportunity yet. Then we got Carlos Beltran, who is one of the cheaters. And I'm not concerned that much about the cheaters, but first-time manager, you don't know what he can do. Then you got some other guys out there. Willie Harris, who managed in the White Sox, former White Sox player, 2005, managed in the organization in the minor leagues and is the Cubs' third base coach. You could have Joe Madden. Uh, you could have uh, Chris Getz, who is the director of minor league development at 28, plus 2,800. But what are your thoughts of those guys? Who would you like to see and why? I'd like to see Ozzy, you know, but, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that uh, I hadn't seen the ads that he's second uh, odds going in. And you'll never see it. I don't think as long as Kenny Williams is around, I don't think Weinstar is going to take him either. But uh, that's what I meant by a guy that would hold guys accountable. I truly think he would. Um, you know, you mentioned Girardi. When I made that statement, I wasn't saying that they just need a total hard-ass disciplinarian. I just think more in the terms of guys need to be held accountable. Uh, kind of like what the Yankees did with their star relief pitcher when he did, decided he didn't need to show up for practice before the playoffs. Um, and it might cost him the playoffs. But uh, I think that type of accountability uh, needs to get started in the White Sox organization, especially in the, in the, in the dugout. So I agree with you, you know, but here's the thing with that Chapman thing. And every Yankee fan knows Chapman sucks. He can't even get an out now. So they're just tired of him. If you remember, um, he had to go on the DL this year because he had an infection from a tattoo of a mural of his sister that he had put on his leg. The guy doesn't get anybody out. Um, he is not a popular teammate. So I actually thought it was a convenient thing just to you know, tell him that he wasn't going to be on the postseason roster. Anybody else on that roster had done the same thing and they would have not had them on the postseason roster. I doubt it. I just think they hate that guy. But I do agree that they need more accountability. They need to hustle more. I do not believe that there's a bunch of fake injuries by any means. But however Larusa managed the injuries, I did not like it in any way. But you know, my number one guy is Joe Espada, the bench coach of the Astros. Very smart guy, speaks Spanish, understands the data, probably could teach the White Sox organization a lot, you know, from that standpoint. So I'd be, you know, I'd be fine with him. Frankly, I would be open-minded to Chris Getz, um, who's in the organization right now. I mean, I would not freak out about that. And I really wouldn't hate Mike Schilt. You know, he's the Padres' third base coach. And he also does some other um, development work with them. He was the 2019 manager of the year in the National League. Somehow he just got sideways with his contract with the Cardinals. So I would not mind Mike Schilt at all. I don't know how that's going to look. 
but I don't know who do, who are your who are maybe your second and third picks. Well, I I, I think our your guy from Houston um, is, is how do we say his name? Espada. Espada. I was going to say Estrada. Espada. Um, I like his style. I like uh, I like what he's done in Houston. I I think he would be for a lot of reasons. I think he could be a good guy to you know to put in there. Uh, you know how he holds guys accountable and stuff it would be a wait and see issue, but uh, I think he'd probably be the guy I'd like to see if it wasn't for Ozzy. But I'd love to see Ozzy well, come back for. I'd love to see that happen. I think it would be, uh, it, you know, if they want to put asses in the seats, that guy'd do it. It would be a fun year to see uh, see him come back. Whether he'd get him to the playoffs or not, it'd be another story. But uh, uh, it would be fun to watch. I agree that it would be fun. I guess the problem is, is that Ozzy is a little bit unpredictable, you know, for me as a, you know, as a human being. I mean, the guy was a very good manager. The way that he left here, I don't care what you say, you can blame Kenny Williams if you want. He left in possibly the most undignified, unprofessional way you ever could. And I don't know if that really matters, but you know, this whole thing where he'll just say anything that's on his mind. I, I just don't know if you want a guy that is that volatile. That said, I believe the guy knows baseball. He wants the job. You probably will get some jump. He will hold guys accountable. Yeah, it would be really fun. I mean, quite frankly, I would have been all for it if at the All-Star break this year, they would have gotten rid of TLR and just said, Ozzy, go get in the dugout. And if you get the team of the playoffs, you get a two-year contract guaranteed. I mean, I would have been fine with that. But now that there's other options, um, I'm not sure how I feel about that. But my guess is um, entirely possible that the next time that we get together, we will, uh, you know, we'll know who the new White Sox manager is. And I do want to give you a dark horse. Willie Harris. I don't know if you listened to Chuck Garfine's podcast, but he did a half hour with Willie Harris, the Cubs third base coach, former White Sox minor league manager this week. Willie Harris is a very upbeat, very positive, very intelligent, very energetic man who's got some White Sox DNA, which I don't care that much about, but we know the organization likes that. I don't know how he is with the data. They didn't really talk to him about that much. But he is a guy that if they ended up hiring him, I would not be disappointed. I don't know how people would not like him. You know, he's a grinder guy, too. Like, he will hold guys accountable. I wouldn't mind Willie Harris at all. So, you know, we'll see how that works out. Yeah, we'll see. So, Phil, what else do you have tonight? It could wrap it up, I think. Um, Let's see what we got. We got some Monday night football tomorrow night. Should be a fairly decent game we don't have to watch the bears again next sunday which is like i said uh in the beginning of the show it gives me another nice fall sunday afternoon that i could uh, concentrate on some better football teams and uh we'll see what happens with the bears which works out great because i'm in mexico next weekend so i will not have to miss the bears on sunday i can see them on monday and imagine if i missed a bears game the incredible entertainment that i would be missing that is cigars and sports episode 27 thank you very much for joining us thank you phil thank you everyone we will talk to you next time we're out Sweet blossom, come on, under the willow. We can have high times if you look back. We can discover the wonders of 
of nature, rolling in the rushes down by the riverside.